Well, last year for first uh, Sunday of Advent, I spoke about uh, a man-made Christmas versus God's Christmas versus the, the Christmas that God created. A man-made Christmas that is not full of surprises and, and divine joy, but full of mm, a little bit of sorrow and depression. Talked about the Christmas blues. There's this reality out there. It's called the Christmas blues. Many people seem to actually start to get a little bit depressed, actually, around this time of the year. And uh, the uh, mental health experts, their business goes up around now. And also, unfortunately, the suicide rate is highest this time of the year, believe it or not. And uh, I talked about what are the many reasons of the Christmas blues. Why is this? Well, you know, people have sometimes their own created expectations as to what this season is all about. Instead of following uh, this season as a, as a preparation for a holy feast, uh, instead of leaving one's heart open to, to wait for and expect what God has for you, we kind of rush ahead, we do things, we get really busy, uh, we maybe start comparing ourselves with the Joneses, oh, they've got you know, a more intact family than me, they got more goodies for Christmas than me, so forth and so on. And those are some of the reasons behind the Christmas blues. But there's another another one, and this one I think is is really this reason behind the Christmas blues that I'm going to focus on today. I, I mentioned it last year, but I'm going to focus on it today. It's it's one of the reasons I think of all the different reasons for the Christmas blues. Uh, one that is probably the most something to be taken the most seriously, and that is I bet if I were to ask the question of the people present here. How many of us will be celebrating this Christmas absent certain loved ones that we've had many memories of celebrating Christmases with? I, I bet if I ask that question, I'm not going to ask it, but I, I bet many people would, would raise their hands. And that felt absence oftentimes is another reason for the Christmas blues. So I want to talk today about how Advent involves what we refer to in the creed as the communion of the saints and how for the Christian there is ultimately if if we if we live by faith there is ultimately no reason to succumb to the Christmas blues at least on this account of the absence of our loved ones now advent is a is an interesting season okay advent the word itself advent goes back to a latin word uh, that means coming, the coming of the Lord. And so here we are preparing for the coming of the Lord. That's the idea of the season of Advent. And it's a period of, of waiting and openness and expectation for this coming. Now, the coming of the Lord, there's something interesting that uh, another thing that, that I often have to, I often feel the need to explain during this time is why our gospel readings all have to do seemingly with the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of, talk about judgment and the coming of the Son of Man and all of this kind of stuff. And we thought we were talking about the first coming of Christ, the first advent, you know, the advent of the babe in the manger in Bethlehem. And uh, this kind of, uh, this, this thing we're seeing here in the Gospels is indicative really of all the scriptures. Whenever the advent of the Lord is being spoken about, it's a multifaceted idea. And there are many dimensions to it, and it's being presented to us all in one bundle, so to speak. Okay, so if you can think of, not only is there the, the first advent of Jesus in the, in the manger, but there's the second advent of the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven on Judgment Day. 
But there are many other kinds of advents that take place that don't necessarily fall into those categories. We have, first and foremost in the Mass, we have a Eucharistic advent. Every single time that we celebrate Mass, it's advent. The Lord comes to us. Okay, In our midst is the Eucharist when we offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and the consecration takes place. There is the coming of the Lord that I think is spoken about in our psalm today. Okay, So in our psalm, it's a beautiful line that says, For you are... You are God my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. There is a moment-by-moment coming of the Lord that we can wait for all throughout the day. At every moment of our lives, Jesus wants to come into our hearts spiritually. Okay, So there's a spiritual advent that takes place. There's an advent that takes place in the sacrament of reconciliation. Jesus comes to us in a very powerful and special way for the reconciliation of uh, of our souls to to his love and to his mercy in the sacrament of reconciliation. We're preparing our, our first communion kids for their first reconciliation and on the 11th, on December 11th, we'll have a special day of uh, Advent, day of mercy, where the confessionals will be open for extended hours and there'll be an outside priest coming in to encourage everybody um, to to uh, participate in, in that day of, of mercy. So there are many Advents that we're looking at here, and they're all bundled together. Okay, so the way the metaphor that I think of is, uh, say, a mountain range. Okay, if you're looking at a certain mountain range, let's say from the south, you can distinguish all of these different mountain peaks. But if you're looking at it from another perspective, say from the north, okay, the uh, no, but from the east, let's say, say you're looking at it from the east, all of those distinguishable mountain peaks kind of fuse together all into one, and they're kind of hard to tell apart. You might be able to see a little peak here, a little peak there, but they all kind of fit together. Okay, And so also, in the oftentimes in any given passage of Scripture, when there's a, the talk of the advent of the Lord, what we're looking at is that foreshortened perspective and that view of the mountain with all the different peaks kind of put together. But if we read the Bible as a whole, we can begin to distinguish. We, it's like we're coming, we're looking at that mountain range from the, the southern perspective, and we can then all we can distinguish all the different mountaintops, okay, throughout the course of the entire Bible. So all of these advents are packed into one. Now, also something to be to be known about, and this ties into the communion of the saints, is that when Jesus comes. He comes with all his saints. And so I'll draw your attention to our second reading. Okay, Brothers and sisters, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you. So to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. And so the advent of Jesus is also the advent of all the members of his mystical body. The advent of Jesus is also the advent of all the saints. It's a beautiful thing. Of course, that's true first and foremost of Jesus' second coming, of his second advent. At the end of time, when he comes to judge the world, he will come on the clouds of heaven with all the angels and the saints. But that's true for all the advents of Jesus. That's true for the advent of Christ in the Eucharist. When the Eucharist comes into our midst, when Christ comes into, our Eucharistic Lord comes into our midst, 
He brings with him all the communion of the saints. We celebrate the holy sacrifices of the Mass in communion with all the saints. So also, that moment-by-moment Advent that Jesus wants to have in our hearts, at every single moment, if we're only just open to it, is also an Advent of the saints. We are in communion with the saints. And so this is our hope. When we're feeling the Christmas blues because our loved ones who have passed away are not present with us in a bodily sense, we can have as Christians the great assurance and the great hope that they're present with us spiritually in the advent of Jesus in our hearts from a moment-to-moment basis. And uh, our union with them is stronger in the Lord Jesus than in any other capacity, just because they're blood relatives, just because maybe they were close friends. All of that pales in comparison to the hope that we have that they died in the Lord. And that's the foundation of our true unity and communion with them. And and when we celebrate Christmas with their bodily absence, we can have the hope and the assurance that they are present with us in a more profound way than, than ever before. Now, we want to be part of the communion of the saints. And, and how do you do that? Well, you know, we hear the word saints and maybe it's a little intimidating. Oh, boy, boy you're talking about these great saints. Uh, we're all called to be saints. And sanctity is not something necessarily dramatic and showy. It's a matter of the heart. And it begins with the holiness that Jesus Christ merited for us on the cross and gave to us in baptism. It's the sharing in Jesus' own holiness called sanctifying grace. It's the participation in that holiness that's proper to Jesus himself that incorporates us into his mystical body, that makes us a member in that great communion of saints, that joins us to him. And that joins us with all the other members of the baptized members of the body of Christ. What a beautiful and awesome hope we have as Christians. Also, someone might have the thought might go through their head, well, you know, my loved one that, that's passed away, he wasn't really a religious or she wasn't really a religious person. I mean, I don't really know if, if you know, are, are they, did they die in the Lord? I don't know. Now, I want to say first and foremost that that thought, if it goes through your mind, is really kind of a sign of a good thing. Because what you're doing is you're taking the issue of salvation seriously. And you're not just assuming that, oh yeah, when everybody dies, they just go to the, go to heaven and they're with the Lord and it doesn't matter. You know, it's like going to heaven is like rolling off a log. You know, it can happen to you by accident. All right. So that's not the case. Uh, so, you know, for that thought to go through your head, I think is a, is a good uh, sign. Nonetheless, that gift of holiness in the heart, that gift of sanctifying grace, it's something very mysterious, and in the last analysis, only God is the judge of whether or not that holiness, that sanctity, is in a person's heart before they die. And so we are permitted, because of that lack of knowledge, because we entrust judgment to God, because we know that he alone is all-knowing, and he knows the hearts of, of all people. Because of that, we, can, we are permitted and we're allowed to hope we don't know oftentimes what happens in that short space between when someone is just about to pass away and when they pass away. There could be great works of mercy that are worked in that person's heart that we're not fully aware of that God alone knows about. So we're always permitted to hope that our beloved dead, no matter what their apparent religiosity and faithfulness to the gospel were throughout the course of their lives, uh, that they did die in the Lord. We can, we're permitted to hope that. Okay, 
And uh, this is our comfort as Christians, that when Jesus comes to us, moment by moment, when he comes to us in the Eucharist, when he comes to us on the Holy Feast of Christmas, he comes with all our loved ones, and he's present with us, with them, all together in the communion of the saints. This is the hope of Advent, that we celebrate this holy season of preparation for the, the feast and the coming of Jesus on Christmas Day.